Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello, and welcome back to Style and Substance Season 4 episode 18 and today we're talking about all things time productivity and some of the curses that can befall us if you're a creative in business it's a wide-ranging conversation there's a lot more to say on it and we hope there'll be some useful pointers in there of how to make the most of your time and i particularly enjoy digging in with fee on how she manages to be so super productive We explore what to do if you're stuck in overwhelm, what happens when we get into headless chicken mode and various other things. So we really hope you enjoy the conversation and thank you for listening. Hello, lovely listeners. We're back for another episode. Hello, lovely Fee. Hello, how are you? Yeah, really good today. Feeling very productive after a very productive weekend, which is teeing us up nicely for today, where we thought we might explore productivity and time and work and getting stuff done. And partly this has come up for me because a client who knows both you and I quite well said to me the other day, oh my goodness, how is it that V gets so much done? You know, she (laughs) must be working all hours of the day or night. I said, whoa, let me stop you there. That's not the case. (laughs) However, there's also on the flip side, a potential assumption that because we're always banging on about, you know, work shouldn't feel like hard work and we should be taking space and time and flow that we're also just sitting back and coasting along and just occasionally, you know, tapping away at the keyboard with whatever inspires us. (laughs) Yeah, whenever the mood strikes us. And so so I thought we need to just sort of bust some of those myths as well and actually get down to what work looks like at the coalface and mm. how, particularly for you, Fee, because you are a whiz at this, how we can make the most of our time to really make it count so that we can enjoy the space and the luxury, if you like, of doing a business on our own terms. So I thought we can get yeah. stuck into that today. What do you think? Yeah. yeah, good. And you've written a whole chapter on this in The Empowered Entrepreneur, haven't you? all about getting it done and kind of how you, well, yeah, how you get on with the business of getting it done. So you are really well placed to talk about this. Well, I hope so. And I I think what I've noticed, or certainly what I noticed when I was writing the book is there are some patterns, particularly in creatives who both you and I work with a lot. There are some patterns that get in the way, some sort of modes of being, if you like, that get in the way of being really productive or productive work Mm. and so I thought it might be quite fun to talk about some of those patterns and it may be lovely listener that you recognize some in yourself yeah should we start with those well yeah why not so the first one is the headless chicken 
I meet a lot of headless chickens. They're a lovely breed. And, <laughs> and as I'm saying this, it might not be that you're in this mode all of the time, by the way. I think all of us can slip in and out of these modes periodically. It's when we get stuck in them or when they become a default pattern that it's something yeah. we need to tackle. So if you're a headless chicken, it will probably feel familiar to you that you're running around being very, very busy, like a headless chicken always has stuff to do, right? It's always mm. tearing around here, there and everywhere, being busy, but it has very little focus yeah. and very little productive output as a result. And the amount of energy that you put in to being a headless chicken is not rewarded in gain, in energy yes. output. So you're getting little reward for all of that energy that you're spending. So being a headless chicken is exhausting and unfulfilling and probably means that you're skidding into bed at night going, oh, oh, yeah, I did loads today. But actually, did I? What did I actually do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, it's quite an uncomfortable space to be. And actually, I was talking to a client that on a much bigger scale is headless chickening right now. Mm. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, sometimes it can happen in a whole organisation, can't it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. The whole thing is chaotic and... Yeah. Yeah. And I see this quite often in fast scaling businesses that yeah. started out quite small with a, with a really focused management team that really knew what they were doing to get themselves to a certain point. And then lots of people come on board and everybody's running around and actually, is anybody accountable? Does anybody really know where they're headed? So yeah, it can definitely happen. And it's it's kind of it's not an energy that lots of people can comfortably work in. So you get a lot of churn when that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes very unfulfilling, particularly if you've got people at the top of an organization in headless chicken mode, because yeah. the people below start to lose faith in the direction, yeah. in the vision, and yeah. in whether you're actually going to achieve anything. So not a mode to be recommended, but fairly no. common. Yes. Yeah. Probably all experienced it at one point or another. Yeah. What can happen if you spend too much time in that or even just on its own is this second sort of creative curse that we talk about, which is overwhelm. And I don't know a single person that I haven't spoken to in the last, well, my entire career, actually, <laughs> that hasn't experienced this feeling at one time or another. And yeah. I don't know about you, Fee, but more recent in recent years, certainly post-COVID, this is epic for people this state of yeah. general overwhelm like everything yeah. is too much yeah and it can be a momentary state or a temporary phase that we can get into on odd days or throughout the day or it can be a fairly pervasive consistent state of being drained of energy being paralyzed by overwhelm where the head fog is exhausting and there's too much of everything going on to the point where we can't make sense, we don't know where to start. Mm. And, and that can be really paralyzing and detrimental to a business and just, just exhausting. And it can yeah. lead very swiftly into burnout if that state is sustained. Yes. So overwhelm is probably something we're all familiar with. And if you're living in that state for more than a couple of days at a time, then it, then it becomes a chronic condition that we need to get underneath. Mm. Then there is the overwork curse. Now this is slightly different from the headless chicken because this work might be a little bit more purposeful but the problem with overwork is that you don't know when to stop. Yeah. So you could never have enough hours in the day because you'll always find stuff to do and it might be that that's a result of having a big vision or a lot of creative drive 
or there's good stuff happening. But if we don't know when to stop, it becomes overwork, which again then leads into burnout, regardless of whether we're getting rewarded for it or not. Um, Mm. Overwork is one to watch. And this is where the working day goes on and on. We don't have very good boundaries around time and we become all things to all people and indispensable sometimes as well. So Mm. I know quite a few clients who you know, when we look at the average number of hours they're spending on the business in a day, they're spending 12 to 14 hours minimum at their working desk. And these are people running families as well, which is a lot. It's a lot. I mean, that was expected for me in corporate, but Mm. not now, you know, this, in this sort of empowered entrepreneur space, we definitely don't want to be in a situation where even if the work is really good and Mm. we're really inspired, it's not sustainable to overwork to that degree yeah. Yeah, and yeah. if you're working smart you shouldn't have to really mm-hmm. I mean I'm not going to quote from Tim Ferriss and his four-hour work week but there are definite um there are <laughs> definitely smarter ways to avoid us being at the desk 14 hours yeah. a day yeah so we've got headless chicken we've got overwhelm we've got overwork some people who come to me are in this sort of complete paralysis mode this action paralysis mode where they just don't know how to get started even Mm. if they've got plans they never seem to be able to get going they're just permanently paralyzed it could be that you have a glut of ideas and you can't make a decision or that you have an idea but you haven't got the energy or the confidence to put it to action and this paralysis if it's allowed to continue Mm. can really stagnate a business or mean that a new business can't get off the ground quickly enough yeah and then probably the most popular is ostrich mode, particularly <laughs> with creatives. Um, an ostrich is really easily recognizable as either avoidance or procrastination. Well, procrastination okay. is a form of avoidance. So yeah. you're basically, you know, things aren't quite right, but you're sticking your head in the sand and ignoring it anyway. Mm. And it might come with a combination of overwork. So you might be being an overworking ostrich. It's not like ostriches do nothing. They can often be quite busy. But Mm. what they're doing is they're avoiding the elephant in the room or they're not looking at the things they need to look at. They're not addressing the important things. They're just addressing what might be not important but feels urgent. Or they might Mm. just be doing nothing at all and avoiding getting down to anything. Mm. So that's the ostrich which is very painful and as I say to people you know if you spend put your head in the sand for too long you're going to get stuffed up the backside (laughs) 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 which is not recommended (laughs) so we've got we've got all of those variety of creative curses and I see them come up time and time again in every in everybody and myself included as well at different times and phases yeah are there any particular ones there that relate more strongly to you Fee where do you find yourself sitting um, I, I can definitely get overwhelmed in various guises. So, you know, when I've got a lot to do, I've tried various things. You know, I've tried the whole thing of putting them all out on a post-it note, you know, one thing on a post-it note on a wall and literally had two or three nights where I've been hyperventilating and can't get to sleep because <laughs> of the reality. I'm such a visual person and the reality of everything I've got to do literally gets too much um and I think you know I'm much more of a a tendency to overwork than I am to procrastinate I would say would you agree 
Yeah, you're definitely not a procrastinator. And I think the overwork can slip in because you because you don't like overwhelm. So your your no, response, exactly. your response yeah. to that is to potentially overwork your way through it yeah. rather than go yeah, yeah. ostrich. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But that often seems to happen just as we come up to a holiday normally for you. Oh, 100% because I have, you know, I have commercial goals and I have life goals, which is that I do not work in the holidays. And sometimes to keep that show on the road, I have to work harder than I would choose to, to get the stuff done, to meet the commercial objectives that I need to. So, yeah. I I kind of, I don't enjoy those periods whatsoever, but I also have to cut myself a bit of slack and not add beating myself up into that mix as well. Because I do think, you know, I take something like 17 weeks off a year. (laughs) (laughs) So if that means like for a couple of weeks, every it's probably it's probably when you're leading up to a big holiday. So when yeah. I'm coming up to the summer holidays, possibly Easter holidays, it doesn't tend to happen for half terms because it's only a week and I'll I'll be back and you know, I kind of think, well, what's the worst that's gonna happen? But definitely leading up to the summer holidays, I can have three really intense weeks mm. leading up to that point. But you know that <sighs> I don't work in the kids' summer holiday in the kids' school holidays. Never mind summer holidays. I don't work in the in the holidays at all, and so I think yeah. that's a bit of a a payoff. And like I say, I don't I don't want to add beating myself up and kind of making myself feel like a failure for not getting everything done. I mean, there is there is never a day when I'm not productive. There's never yeah. a day when I'm you know headless chicken. I have worked in organisations and I work with organisations now that are total headless chickens. And I find it highly stressful because money will be spent or projects will be started that are not leading up to the big picture goal. You know, it's like, let's just think carefully about what we're doing and then we'll go and we'll go and we'll know it's in the right direction. So, I know from what I do that the time that I spend on my business is time that's well invested. Yeah. And actually, you've hit the nail on the head with one of the things that is a very useful both antidote and mitigator for almost all of those states is having this sense of the bigger picture. So so for you, because you know that a break is coming, Mm. it's it's okay for you to have that sort of burst of intensity because you've built it in and it's almost to be expected but even with or without that you've got the bigger commercial picture and the bigger vision for the business in mind I think the frustration that we can get into when we get overwhelmed is there's loads and loads of stuff to do but even when we're doing that or pushing through and working on it if we don't know that it's going to pay off or we don't know that it's contributing to something more meaningful or it's going to move our objectives forward, then it becomes unfulfilling at every level. But because Mm. you have the bigger picture of where you need the business to get to, because you have that wider focus of how it fits into life and what else is important, everything makes sense. 
And mm. and I think quite a lot of the counter to head well certainly the counter to headless chicken is having goal focused direction and the bigger picture because if you don't know where you're going then everything is just busy work. It's being strategic, isn't it? So if I think yeah. about this organization, one of the organizations that I work with, the chief exec of that is so overwhelmed with what they have to do. And they have so many goals that they want to achieve so quickly. Mm. Things happen, but they are, you know, there's there's a builder that I wish that we'd gone with <laughs> for our renovation. And their strapline was do it once, do it well. Oh, and, brilliant. You no, know, and it, it I think that's what I I that's totally my philosophy as well. And what I see with this is the opposite happening. So it's you know, it's cutting a corner here on someone that's not as experienced. It's getting it done quickly over there. And the, yeah. the net result of that is you end up spending about a third to a half more time, more money on redoing it, doing it again, yes. going back and rethinking or undoing what someone's done or not using what was done because it was half done. And, you know, just actually taking a breath slowing down being more strategic and as you say thinking about the bigger picture thinking about well where do we need to invest the time the money the expertise and where actually when we've got those foundations in place can we get someone more junior in because sometimes I mean we're going off track a bit but sometimes it's the opposite isn't it you know you don't need a highly experienced brand designer for argument's sake to design your invoices for you yeah if the foundations are in place but you do need them to set up your email newsletter template or your website template I know they're they're very specific non-time things but I think it's that thing of making sure that you are thinking as you say about the bigger picture and how everything's going to fit together and what you need where yeah absolutely and I think if you're making this switch from being busy to productive deciding what's most important as you've said stripping Mm. out the stuff that isn't where to focus your energy is really key and then you can probably streamline and simplify a lot of the other stuff that's clogging up your day or clogging up your time because part of switching from busy to productive is about and we'll do a whole podcast on this at some point I'm sure is about Mm -hmm. saying no you know it's about putting boundaries down in the right place about deciding really what doesn't need to be done so that you can focus on the strategically more important things. And then in that, the other curse, I think, of both the headless chicken and people who tend to get overwhelmed is this perfectionist tendency. And I know you and I see it a lot. You see it with a lot of the designers that you work with, and I see it with a lot Mm -hmm. of my clients. The chances are that if you have a perfectionist tendency, a lot of things are taking longer than they need to when good enough is good enough and that doesn't mean compromising on standards or delivery but if you're a perfectionist you can easily make a job that would take an hour last a whole morning and we and we don't need to do that it's funny because you saying good enough like that does not sound good enough to me I know exactly (laughs) I know but your standard of good enough but 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 I like that phrase strive for excellence not perfection Yes, so exactly. you know, there comes a point. So I would never, I genuinely would never send anything out the door that was good enough mm. because that's not by my standards. Yeah, good enough. And and actually, just on that very briefly, 
if it is own, from my perspective, if, if it is only good enough, there's a real risk that my client's standard is that they want it more than good enough. And then I have to redo it and I have mm. to do it again. And yeah. that's going to take me more time. So from my perspective, it has to be something that I would say was, was excellent that I know they're going to come back and say, wow, I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think what you've managed to do over time is to hone that version of excellence so that you know where to draw the line between overdoing it and doing more than you need to versus delivering something that's that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is that sort of no, no more and no less than. Yeah, yeah. Which is what I mean by good enough. And the other thing I think in this sort of busy mode is quite often we can be picking up jobs or things that we think are necessary or we should be doing because we're keeping up appearances or somebody else or some other standard in the market or some other suggestion by some guru somewhere or wherever it comes from Mm. says that we should be doing all of this stuff. And that happens quite a lot. I see it in in people's social media strategies or what they get pulled into. Everybody should be doing this now, whatever the should is, whatever the latest fad, the latest trend. And I think over committing ourselves to things that might not be necessary. And how do we gauge whether they're necessary? Are they in alignment with the bigger picture, with the goals, with the strategy? Are they really what's important to us? And are they likely to yield the best results? You know, if they're not, then they're probably not necessary. So we need to avoid over committing to a lot of just busy work that's not going to take us anywhere, regardless of how well it's sold into us as, you know, this is the next best thing since sliced bread. And if you're not doing this, you're nobody. Feeling that external pressure to deliver something that isn't coming from our own wellspring of inspiration or our own sense of what really matters is really key. And I think you're pretty good at deflecting yourself off Oh, that hundred percent. And and actually, what you're saying isn't resonating loads with things that I see from clients either. Is do you see your clients getting sucked into like I should be seen to be busy? That feels like something that's quite kind of 2010. <laughs> not not so much anymore. Well, interestingly, I do tend to see it when clients first come to me often they could have they can have been sucked in to some kind of fad or some kind of pattern or way of working so you're almost saying really it's that hustly yeah until they get the vision clear and until they really establish what it is they want from their business they might not realize that they're being pulled off by somebody else's agenda or somebody else's fad yeah yeah, I think yeah. most of the clients who've been working with me for a while don't tend to get suckered in. But there, there is still, if you take that up to the slightly bigger picture, there is still a pressure, I think, for a lot of people in business to adopt what society determines is looks like a successful business versus what we want to carve out. It's so hard, isn't it? Because when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today, I was saying, I, we, let's not do that because that comes back to income boasting. And let's not do that because that comes back to income boasting. Let's do productivity and time because, you know, that's immune. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it all does come back to that thing, doesn't it, of what is enough and what kind of life do you want to lead and and how do you want to run your business and when you're in the driving seat 
then you don't have to work yourself into the ground. Now, that's not to say that I don't feel immense pressure with mortgage rates going up and food bills having doubled and um, energy bills having trebled or whatever they've done over the last year. You know, there's, there's absolute pressure, but thank goodness it's coming from... Do I mean, thank goodness? I don't know. I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? That that it's actual tangible pressures that, you know, the sad thing is I can't say I'm opting out of that way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things, even outside of the income boasting thing, is is the cultural expectations. For For example, you know, thinking about overwork overworking is so prevalent in our culture that it's come to be expected you know I think that's yeah. the line in the book actually if you're not seen to be working if you're not seen to be busy then what are you doing we still have this high value on busyness versus yeah. true productivity and I think that can seep in a lot it's like how am I being perceived by my clients you know what am I posting on Instagram does it look like I'm just lardy daring about all the time you know is there any actual real work getting done here and I think the pressure of that in society is still quite pervasive. We need to tackle that if we're going to work in an empowered way. We need to set a new standard for the way of working. And we'll get to why this doesn't mean just coasting around, because I really want to get into how we make the most of time. And in particular, the sort of squeezing time stuff that we both do, mm. that I think is a game changer. Yeah. yeah. But one of the ways that I think we've talked a lot about before of tackling this overwork thing is to clarify your niche really strongly and to find your magic and to sit in your magic because overwork can be the result of good intentions. But if you're trying to be all things to all people in your business yeah. and trying to keep everybody happy, then it comes at that cost of just running you ragged. That's when you get into imposter syndrome and that's when you get into perfectionism because you're so scared yeah. that it's not good enough, that it has to be perfect. Yeah, that's a big thing. So Overwork, headless chicken. What about overwhelm? I mean, I've got a gorgeous client at the moment who, through circumstances, really mostly outside of her business, is completely overwhelmed at the moment. Mm. So she's got a very ill mother. Um, business didn't do well through COVID. Husband's business didn't do well through COVID and will not sadly recover because mm. he's at an age where it's not going to recover so there is enormous pressure on her there. Some losses personally with friends. And and it's that stuff is going to have an impact on your business, yeah. isn't it? So she's working 60 hours a week to oh. try and keep the wheels on the bus, but is also all of that other stuff going on. And, and that's you know, I think probably a lot of us will relate to that in not necessarily quite an ex such an extreme way. But there's a lot going on right now. And there's a lot of fallout from COVID happening. Yeah. And I think, I think it's that sort of overwhelm, overwork, blurred boundary that I think a lot of us could be yeah, absolutely. I suppose there's two things from that for me is like, how do we take care of ourselves mm. during that time because ultimately if the pressure you know and I think this is what I felt in the winter when you know we could see the electricity bill costing however much a day 
And, you know, you know you're tired and you know you need to stop, but also you kind of you kind of just need to build that bank back up to yeah. make yourself feel better. You know, you can't just take off to a spa in Bali for six weeks and say, I'll sort it out when I get back. And that's a really interesting point. And I think it doesn't need the six weeks in Bali. You don't need to be able to put everything on hold. <laughs> you yeah, not prescribing that? <laughs> no, well, I, well, I would happily prescribe it to everybody or preferably somewhere you can sail to and not have to take a long haul flight to. But I would <laughs> yeah. happily prescribe that to everybody in an instant because, you know, there's no bad there. However, I think the assumption that we suddenly need to be able to put all life on hold yeah. in order to solve the problem of overwhelm gets in the way of actually tackling overwhelm. So okay. if we look at it in two parts, for me, overwhelm fits into two boxes, I suppose. There's the immediate overwhelm, which is experienced in the body as nervous system dysregulation, as this head fogging, this sort of heavy, weighty, I can't see the wood for the trees, I don't know what I'm doing. It's sort of a bit crushing and deflating. And it's it's a very in-the-body, present state feeling of, oh, my God, everything's just too much, right? Yeah, so That's yeah. an immediate state of overwhelm that we can tackle very specifically. And then the other experience of overwhelm is this chronic overwhelm that, that mm-hmm. you were talking about with your friend who – it goes on over time. Life is just overwhelming. The whole thing needs, you need to just, they did need a lucky break. You know, you need to get yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, and then another thing comes. comes. And then another thing comes and another thing comes. And actually yeah. that is life for a lot of people at the moment. So we're in this sort of systemically chronic state of everything being too much and life is overwhelmed. So if we tackle yeah. those two pieces, the the longer term impact of the longer term overwhelm can be, mitigated to some degree by the consistent tackling of the moment by moment overwhelm in the right way so if Mm. we look at it for what it is in relation to the body and we look at it as nervous system dysregulation the first job that we have to take the time for so that it doesn't build into a perpetual chronic state of you can sort of see it spiraling, can't you? Overwhelm, headless chicken, overwork, ostrich. Overwhelm, headless chicken, overwork, ostrich. We sort of go on yeah. this sort of roundabout spiral of any number or any combination of those states. We can take 90 seconds out at any moment to start to redress that balance and set us on a much more productive, a much calmer, much saner, much more reasonable way of working by attending to the nervous system. And then there's a mental head shift that can happen. And however you can get yourself into this state, you know, some people use affirmations or mantras or a reminder on the wall or a buzzer on your phone or whatever it is. Remind yourself that you are in control and that you can take action and then take action. The the chronic overwhelm is often symptomized by this feeling that we have no agency in our lives everything's happening to us everything yeah I was going to say that it feels like everything's just coming at you yeah you have no agency yeah so to feel agency we need to take action and it doesn't actually yeah. have to be massive the smallest action in the direction of your choosing can start to regain some of that agency and actually for me gardening is massive in that because mm tiny act of planting a seed or planting a bulb over time that grows into a seedling or it grows into a shoot which grows into a flower and yeah lovely and actually generally by that point 
things have got better anyway. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it could be very easy for someone to sit there and go, oh, well, it's all right to say, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed, go and potter about in the garden and plant a bulb. And No, but that's a thing. Like, it's an actual thing. Hands yes. in the soil is a absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's definitely um, a thing. And it's a very small thing that we can do. And the gain is way proportional to what you would have spent your time doing if you just tried to continue to focus and get through your list. So just taking 10 minutes to recalibrate Mm. will probably save you an hour. Oh, yeah, definitely. At the other side. Because an hour in headless chicken mode is an hour wasted, whereas 50 minutes in productive mode with a 10-minute state you know, readdress is much more useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's also true of this taking more time out. So yes, the six weeks in Bali would be lovely, but I think what we also need to remember is it doesn't actually take that long to redress some of the challenges that are creating overwhelm. Mm. When we're in a state of overwhelm, we think, oh my God, it's going to take me forever to solve this. I can't change all of the aspects of my life. I can't tackle everything. I can't go off on a week's retreat and sort it all out. But actually, for the purposes of an hour or two hours time invested to start to reclaim some agency over your life, start to get some perspective, is time really well spent. So when you're in that state of chronic overwhelm, there's yeah. going to be a lot that needs addressing, but taking yeah. an hour a week out with the focused intention of looking back over what's caused the patterns of overwhelm, mm. looking forward, uh, particularly looking forward in your diary to see if there are opportunities to make more space. Yeah. And yeah. what are the, some of the small things, you know, what are the things that are contributing most to the overwhelm that you experience? And is there anything that you can either take away or put in place to start to redress those constant pieces? An hour spent once a week when you're in chronic overwhelm to just start to tackle the systemic picture of things is really useful. And then when we look at the systemic picture of things, there's there's a really nice um, activity that I like to do with my clients where they just draw themselves in the center of the page And they look at all of the areas of their life on one side where the energy from them is going out. Yeah. All the different areas where that gets seeped out. And in your business, it might, you might just look at the business and look at those pieces. But if you do it holistically, it works really well. And then look at all of the places where energy comes in, Mm. you know, whether that's from food, rest, time with friends, you know, the ability to download to somebody um, singing, exercising, some people have a religious practice, whatever it is. Mm. What I always find with clients who are in chronic overwhelm is all of the energy is going out and very, very little is coming in. Now, that sounds yeah. like a no brainer. Well, yeah, of course, of course, that's going to be the case. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in overwhelm. But when you then start to look at, well, what is it that feeds you and how can you create space for that? what often feeds people isn't something that requires loads of money and loads of time, actually. It just requires the intention to prioritize Mm -hmm. it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. And just looking at what our 
human support network is as well. Because quite often, I think we can get into this assumption that we have to be our own fuel and we have to do all the things for ourselves that make us feel better, which is just more pressure. So, Mm. you know, I had a client I was working with last week. He's like, well, I know that when I exercise and when I eat well, I feel a lot better. I said, well, yeah, but that's also (laughs) more things that you have to do for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas actually cultivating a network of support and people around you who you can tap into that might provide emotional support or practical support or physical support often gets neglected because our default in the system, you know, in our society is, we must be independent. We must do it all ourselves. Yeah, yeah totally. And I think as an empowered entrepreneur, you don't do that. Yeah. So there's loads of really good stuff in there for overwhelm. We've talked about overwork and we've talked about headless chicken. Do we want to talk a little bit about procrastination before we move on to? Oh, yeah, let's. I mean, obviously, I never procrastinate. I mean, I never procrastinated in writing the book. Um, none of my clients who who do anything creative ever procrastinate. So it's probably not relevant to most people listening, but we should talk about it anyway, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? Almost everybody with creative tendencies procrastinates. Uh, with the exception of you, actually, Fee, you're not a procrastinator. I know, I was going to say, does that mean I'm not creative? No, not at all. I don't deserve to be in the club. No, not at all. I think, um, I think if we look back, actually, it's a real testament to where where you've moved your business to and where you've moved yourself to I mean I can't say with any confidence that you've ever been a procrastinator by default but there's been certain things that might have been procrastinated on in the studio days you know for maybe half a day (laughs) so no I wouldn't have you in that I wouldn't have you in that camp but procrastination is a massive thing and I think people well why why do we procrastinate of the people yeah. you know, what's at the root of it, do you think? If I'm honest, it's not something I understand because I don't have the privilege of time or a bank of wealth behind me. Mm. So if I procrastinate, I don't get to feed my family or pay the mortgage. Mm. So like most of the people I encounter who procrastinate, whether they're consciously aware of it or not, it's because of either a fear of failure or a fear of success. Yeah. Yeah. So they're either thinking I'm not going to get this right and therefore I shouldn't try. Yeah. Um, and regardless of whether they've got skin in the game, because none of these people are sitting there going, oh, well, you know, I can coast along because I've got loads of money and loads of time and everything's taken care of. That's definitely not the space that most procrastinators sit in. If mm. anything, it's the opposite end and they're mm. under huge amounts of pressure and that pressure creates even more procrastination because the stakes are higher. You know, I have to get this right. Oh, my God, but I can't. What if I get it wrong? How will I be perceived? Or is it okay to make a mistake? Is the risk too high? Or the flip side of that is, well, what if this goes really well? Yeah, I find this this a lot with particularly people writing books, you know, people who've got a really inspired vision or an idea for what they want to write and they're putting their stuff out there. and, And a lot of the work that people write about is quite personal often that you know writing a book is a journey and it's quite a vulnerable one often regardless of whether you're writing a memoir I mean even my books I found very exposing and they're not memoirs like you say yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's a very vulnerable thing. And then you get into, well, well, what if this really flies? What if this really works? Yeah, yeah. Then I've got to be even more exposed and even more vulnerable. And of course, all of this is happening in the unconscious most of the time. Mm. We're not actively sitting there thinking, I don't want to be successful. And that's why I'm sticking my head in the sand. (laughs) Quite often, it's very unconscious. Yeah. Oh, well, I think one of the fastest ways to getting under the skin of that is probably to listen to the free download I've got on my website on procrastination because most of my um most of my clients just say oh yeah well listen to that again because it just got me out of the (laughs) funky thinking because sometimes you just need a reminder yeah to get you out of the habit Mm. and also because procrastination if I'm thinking about people starting a business for example Sometimes people procrastinate for very good reason because they know that as soon as they, and this sort of links in with the action paralysis piece, they Mm. know as soon as they start the cogs turning that stuff is going to have to change. Yeah. And although change is inevitable for all of us and we are creatures of change all of the time, change Mm. isn't comfortable for a lot of people. No. No. I mean, you and I quite enjoy it, but I think... For quite a lot of people, change is scary. So procrastination is trying to protect us from that. Yeah, yeah. And we don't have to beat ourselves up for it. You know, we just have to recognize Mm. it, but also recognize that all the fun stuff actually happens in the arena, as Brené Brown would say. You know, you've got to be in there because that is where the magic happens. So how do we get to that place? How do we get to, oh, that's a big question. Well, I think in a nutshell, thinking about, procrastination I think it's about creating a vision that is compelling enough to get you over the hump of resistance Mm. so it's finding something that is so juicy to us and so meaningful at a values level and at a tangible soul level if you like that is so vital to our health our well-being our thriving that it's so keyed in at every level with what really matters to us that that we can't not do it actually without that is really good point so I get that you're saying that lots of people suffer from procrastination and that it's not a lack of skin in the game do you find that your clients that have a really strong purpose and a really strong meaning suffer with procrastination or does it mitigate it because I think you know largely I don't procrastinate yes because of the finances because I can't Mm. But also because I do love my work and I do look forward to doing what's yeah. on my list. So it, it, there isn't really anything that I'm dreading doing. Yeah, I think it makes I think that makes a huge difference. And probably for 90 percent of circumstances, it, it would be enough. But I yeah. think where it does still hit is when someone has a really big vision. And like I've said before, it's going to be game changing or it means mm. a certain amount of exposure or it means yeah. they have to get over that hurdle of am I good enough? The yeah, imposter yeah. syndrome piece. So that definitely still does kick in. But I do mm. think for a lot of people, procrastination that is there through boredom, not resistance, yeah. definitely is answered by a stronger vision, by doing more of the work that you love, by wheedling out difficult clients by finding your niche and by taking your work seriously you know and and taking your enjoyment of your work seriously so I think yeah a lot of it can be can be tackled by that yeah but I think most of my clients are in the whoa this is big space um (laughs) so that's a sort of different ball game yeah yeah that leads us nicely I think into 
this you enjoy your work you want to be doing it but you're also very ambitious you have big vision you have a lot of things you need to hit commercially and as we've said you take 17 weeks off a year so you need to get it done in a certain amount of time now without becoming and and also not that I'm wanting to paint Fia's superwoman although she frankly is you know (laughs) in all of that you you still do cook your children wonderful meals each evening you still have a great social life and you still care for your friends and take time for your garden and all of those things yeah Um, what is it that if there was one thing that you think you do consistently that enables you to be productive in that way what is it okay well this isn't it this is just the backdrop I think as I've just said doing work that I love that I look forward to doing is everything I wouldn't you know if I was an accountant I wouldn't be getting as much done (laughs) I I think one of the biggest things that helps me move forwards make sure that I use my time well is lists I love a list so at the end of every week I'll write a list of things that need to be done next week you know so I have pages and pages and pages of lists in my notebook that says this week and it'll be things that I want to get done this week so let's have a look last week what did I have so um and I'm very good at thinking ahead so I do not leave stuff until the last minute Hmm. so This is three weeks before half term. I know that I'm going to New York at the end of half term for a week and I'm doing that event. Then I know that I get back and I've got two weeks and then it's the colour psychology workshop. And I don't know how I'm going to feel because, as you know, I don't travel well. So I do not want a load of stuff pressing on me when I get back so I'm thinking ahead to what do I have to get done for the colour psychology workshop now so that it's not a big stress when I get back so the first thing on my list for last week was that I wanted to get the colour psychology workshop handout printed and that was a quick it was a quick job and I put it up top because it was a really quick job because I designed them last year, all I need to do is physically reprint them, send them to print. Uh, I needed to order the swatch books, get my styling plan done. I needed to write the slides for the New York workshop. Haven't done that, which is very annoying. So I have to, have to, have to do that this week. And I know from talking to lots of clients that lots of clients wouldn't be doing that until the night before the event. (laughs) But I can't function like that. No. Um, so that's that's the kind of I suppose that's the kind of behavior that means that I can do something well and I'm not bringing a boatload of anxiety and extra pressure to something. Yes. Um color psychology promotion. So again it's like thinking about this workshop that if I don't think about selling that workshop until I get back from New York it's too late. So actually I yeah. can write those emails I can those now case studies I'm writing an online course with Cecilina so it's looking at 
writing the sales page while she works on the um, the, the video yes. edits. Um, so it kind of goes on like that. And I've got different levels of things. You know, I've got brand vision for a client. I've got a shoot plan for a client. Um, workshop videos put onto YouTube. So various different things, some quite short term, some quite long term, some small things. There's a mix of client stuff and marketing. Mm. One of the key things to that is that in drawing those lists, you're looking ahead. Yeah. And I was just going to say, so I, I, I have that and then I'll rewrite a new one generally on Friday before I clock off for the weekend because that means yeah. that I can relax. Yeah. And I will do exactly the same this Friday because this Friday is half term coming up. So this Friday I will do that for when I get back. But what I'll also do is when I get back, I'll think about, well, that's the summer holidays then. At the end of this chunk is the summer holidays. So what yeah. do I need to have done for my business before the summer holidays? Because although it isn't my financial year end, that's Christmas, it kind of feels a bit like a year end. Mm. Yeah. It feels quite final. Yeah. So it, it's definitely thinking ahead. Mm. And one of the things that I know that we both do, but you you do in spades, that I think is, I don't know how, how rare it is, but I know, for example, our respective other halves don't necessarily do it. And it's this thing of stealing time. Squeezing time, yeah, Squeezing time. So talk to us about your relationship with time and what that looks like in relation to your list. Yeah. So I, I've never had enough time. Um, I started the brand stylist when Poppy was about 18 months. I didn't have childcare by choice. And I was writing how to style your brand while she slept for two hours every lunch. And people think that's ridiculous, or like I'm going for some kind of, you know, medal, which I'm not, I just, I had had Ellie very young, I didn't, you know, I felt like a complete pariah. Um, there was lots of pressure that I shouldn't have been working and I had to. So I decided that when I was at a point where I didn't have to work, that I wouldn't put Poppy into childcare just, just by choice. So I had two hours a day where she slept. And lots of people with babies use that time to cook the dinner, to tidy up, to make the beds. I didn't do any of that. I sat down at my computer and I would just write for two hours. And because it was only two hours, it's exactly the same process, actually, that I do now. I always knew what I was going to write about. So as I was walking back from dropping the kids at school, I'd be thinking about, well, what am I going to write about at lunchtime? What did I not finish? Or what's the like the natural lead on from what I wrote about yesterday? And it was such a short window of time that I was really motivated. Mm. So I could write really fast because I knew that I had a very minute amount of time. And I was, Poppy always woke up before I was finished. So she kind of interrupted me in the middle of my flow. And I don't know whether Perfect. that's a thing from your perspective, yeah. but it definitely. definitely meant that I had this like, energy and inspiration brimming over that I was happy to leave then until tomorrow but I never felt like I ran out of steam and I guess you know as Poppy turned two she started going to nursery 
for a few hours a week and then obviously went to school and that was almost where I struggled to keep my momentum going because I'd been so used to working really, really, really effectively in a really short period of time that when I had all this time, I didn't really know what to do with it or how to make it as productive as possible. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, stealing time for me now looks like, you know, I work from home and much to the annoyance of my husband, if things, if the kitchen is not tidy before I drop the kids at school, then it doesn't get tidied until four o'clock <laughs> because <laughs> that's the time I need to work. Yeah. So um, Tuesdays and I've, you know, I've built things into my life like I will leave the car at school and walk home and walk back to collect Poppy because that means I can get 10,000 steps and a dog walk done twice a day. Yeah, yeah. So I'm quite smart about how I do stuff because I don't have time to do an exercise class every day. But for example, tomorrow, we've joked about this before, tomorrow is Pilates (laughs) at the really annoying time of half past 10. Mm, Yeah. what would be very tempting to happen would be that I would get back from the dog walk at about 9.30. And I know yeah. I've got to leave by 10.20 to get to Pilates. So I've got 50 minutes. So I could load the dishwasher, sweep the floor, make the beds. But actually, that's 50 minutes of really focused time where I could write a blog post or I could schedule yeah. an email newsletter. So I tend to do quite focused stuff like that and I do not leave an ounce of time (laughs) spare which probably Mm -hmm. makes me an absolute lunatic but it's it's how I get stuff done I suppose yeah and there is in fact there's a whole section in the book written just for fear about transitioning between one activity and the next and sometimes (laughs) you need to leave space between am I in workspace or am I in home space but you've hit the nail on the head there with that sort of stealing time piece And I speak to a lot of clients for whom, you know, they do the school run and then, like you say, they might have an appointment or something in at 10, 30, 11. So that that morning gets written off, that 50 minutes gets written off. But actually for you, it's like 50 minutes doesn't get written off in the same way that 15 minutes doesn't get written off. And I think when we realise that you can, if you've planned ahead for what needs to get done so you're not wasting time on the thinking and on the, oh, my God, what should I be doing? You can hit the ground running and make the most of five minutes in the same way that you can make the most of an hour, make the most of two hours, or you can make the most of five minutes by writing a really detailed list of the stuff that you're going to make the most of the rest of the day with. And I I think it's this attitude of, of without it feeling pressureful, this attitude of, no minute left wasted and and by no minute left wasted I mean if you need to go and spend a minute with your feet on the ground in the garden literally smelling the roses then that's not a minute wasted either no you know it doesn't have to be in this frenetic activity all the time but also what that enables us to do is to be in the present moment and when you're in the present moment and when you can get into flow in that moment time actually naturally extends for us anyway and we must do a whole session on on flow and getting into flow because yeah. I think that's a secret weapon that you and I yeah. access quite a lot that that yeah. does mean that you can be ridiculously productive in a very very short space of time and you can prime yourself to be in that state more often than not so it doesn't feel like force but it feels a lot more like flow
So hopefully, lovely listeners, that has given you a taster of some of the things that we use to make the most of our time and some of the thoughts on those creative curses. There's obviously a lot more to say on this, and I'm sure we'll be talking about flow in a future episode and developing on all these things. But for now, if you're interested in a few thoughts on procrastination, just head over to elizabethcairns.com onto my website, and there is a download on the podcast page, which is just seven minutes. If you're feeling a little stuck, like you can't get going or you're avoiding things and need a kick into action, then that little audio might help. So enjoy. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.